everybody. This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome to Grace Collective. My name is Jonathan Curry. I am the executive pastor here. If this is your first time with us, we are so thankful that you are hanging out with us, whether you're online or in person. I know there's probably a number of you that are online this morning because there's still a little bit of a Christmas bug floating around. There's a little bit of, man, I had too much to do this week. And so we are thankful that you're joining us, however you choose to join us um, this morning. And so for the next three and a half to four hours that we have together, I just want to share. <laughs> if you don't know, I'm, I'm funny. And so I make jokes. Um, well, I guess funny is a judgment call, but I do make jokes. That's, that's true and that's real. Uh, in the next few moments that we have together, I just want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And, and I just want to want to preference this message with the idea that we had to leave a lot of information on the cutting room floor um, because it really would take probably a series of four-hour messages to really be exhaustive on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, but we just want to encourage you that as this is kind of a launching pad into a new year, as you try to find some direction where God might be leading you, this is kind of a popular time for New Year's resolutions and all these other things that are going on uh, in the world around us. This might be a great time for you to just spend some time to understand a little bit more about who the Holy Spirit is and, and being able to lean into some of the insights that we're going to share with you this morning to help you kind of take the next step in the next direction that God has uh, for each of us. And so this morning we've entitled the message, Wise Men and Women Still Seek Him. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've spent some time talking and celebrating the birth of Jesus, right? Little baby Jesus was born in the manger. We sang songs. We lit candles. We had all this amazing celebration that the king was born, that the king was here among us. We, we celebrate that God was with us. And then we celebrated this whole thing over angels aware presentations. And we had uh, special services. We had all kinds of amazing celebrations of this great, tremendous event that happened that changed the course of history and allowed us to be able to have access to God in heaven when we take our last breath here on this earth. And it's interesting to me that as you kind of walk through the Bible stories, as you walk through Jesus's life, it's really is four different books that are mostly dedicated, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're all dedicated to the life of Jesus, and they're really just mostly dedicated to the three and a half years of ministry that he has while here on the earth. And, and so we're excited to see it. There's a lot of different stories that are there. But what's interesting to me as you continue to read those stories, as you continue to follow through that, you realize that even during the time that Jesus was performing these miracles and doing these amazing things that most of the disciples and the people that were following Jesus still didn't know exactly who Jesus was. If you fast forward then to the end of Jesus' life, you begin to see him riding in on a donkey and the people are shouting, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And most of the people in that crowd were expecting Jesus to take the throne of the empire, to, take the to become the physical king that was going to rule and reign and, and allow Israel to rise again to a physical dominant kingdom on this earth. And so many were trying to, to celebrate that and, and embrace that. But it was only when the Holy Spirit reveals to them who Jesus was that they truly began to understand. That moment for us happens today. We, we, when we discover who Jesus is, when we discover what he's about, we call that moment salvation as we surrender our lives and our hearts to him. And we say, God, I want you to be a part of my life. Save me from the path and the direction that I'm going on that's going to lead me to an eternity in hell and, and suffering and torment. Lord, th at this moment of salvation, I want you to be a part of my life. I want you to grant me not only access to heaven, but Lord, I want to live in the way that you created me to live. We call that moment salvation. And, and several of you over the Christmas season uh, prayed 
the prayer and asking God to come into your heart and into your life and asking for that moment of salvation to occur in your life. And we celebrate with you. We're excited with you uh, for, for that moment. But since that time that Jesus was here some 2000 years ago, a lot of people have not only begun to understand who Jesus is, but they often kind of miss the next thing that Jesus is. In fact, he talks about this in John chapter 16, verse seven. He says, if I don't go away, the advocate won't come. This is the end of Jesus's life. And he's talking to them and he's saying, look, I'm here. I'm with you now, but I'm going to go away. And when I go away, I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send someone to help you with that. And what we as a church and often as Christians often forget or miss is this advocate, this Holy Spirit. We forget what he's about or who he is. We don't really get a full understanding of all of that. And so for the next few hours, <laughs> the next few moments that we have together, I just want to share with you a little bit about who the Holy Spirit is and what he means for us here in, in uh, this life. So he is our advocate. He's our helper into the world. As we attempt to become more and more like Christ, and that's really the goal, right? To become a Christian is to become a little bit of a version of Christ, a, a growing, increasing uh, um, representation of who Jesus is. Our, our goal isn't just to kind of say the prayer and then wait, you know, for that last moment we can see Jesus in heaven. There's a lot of life in between that, and we want to make sure we're spending each and every moment that we can becoming more and more and more like Jesus. So the first question obviously becomes, who is the Holy Spirit? And I think a lot of times, as we think of the Holy Spirit as this ghost, this this wispy kind of uh, element that's out there, and, and the Holy Spirit is God. He is part of the Trinity. He is God in us. As Jesus ascends to heaven, he tells us that he's going to send this comforter, this helper, this personal being called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has these attributes. He can be grieved. He can be sad. He can be upset. He is God in us. He is the Spirit of God in us. He is sent to equip us and to enable us to, to please God by living more and more like Jesus himself. He is a person in himself. And if I were to leave it there, if I were to say, these are the things, this is who the Holy Spirit is. Thank you. Good night. Have a wonderful day. Doctrinally, that would be a very sound set of statements. And, and practically, you know, we would be able to understand and process that. But it really doesn't give us any application of understanding who the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And it's not enough in this Christian life to just understand in our heads exactly who Jesus is. We have to understand it in our hearts and understand who God is in our hearts and begin to act it out. Right? Love is a verb. And, and we're called to be like Christians. And we're supposed to act out like, like the love of our Heavenly Father has in our lives. And so I think in order for us to better understand who the Holy Spirit is, it's going to be helpful for us to understand how the Holy Spirit works. So... I'm going to put it a different way. Um, has anybody ever seen The Incredible Hulk? Yes. yes, thank you, Andy. Andy has seen The Incredible Hulk, and Andy and I are going to enjoy this next clip a great deal. So, The Incredible Hulk is uh, a Marvel character, which we like to talk about here at Grace Collective. Um, and he is just a really extremely huge, he's a very strong version of the scientist Bruce Banner. Now, Dr. Banner in, in the Marvel comic series was just mind his own business, sort of running some experiments, doing some things. And then there was a lab accident and a lot of gamma radiation, which I know you all know gamma radiation. It's like the worst kind. But this gamma radiation began to leak out and it began to an overwhelming amount of it seeped into Dr. Banner's body and it transformed him from this mild mannered scientist into this bulky, strong superhero. And so the Holy Spirit is kind of the same way. 
Except there's no lab uh, accident. There's no gamma radiation that's required. The Holy Spirit is God's spirit working in us, empowering us and, and allowing us to overcome evil. And so I wanted to show you just a quick clip to kind of help all of you who are visual learners like me and Andy, uh, that this is, this is the Hulk and this is him battling an evil demon-like God named Loki. So now I'm sure from watching this clip, some of you might actually be more willing to accept the Holy Spirit into your life if you can turn into that guy and fly through the air and smash people around. Others of you might be thinking, you know what, green and massive muscles don't really work with a lot of my ensemble, so I'm going to go ahead and pass on that at this moment. Um, so in that moment, I think it's important for us to mention just a couple of things. First, the Holy Spirit doesn't turn us green. He doesn't give us physical muscles like that. Oh, that would be super cool, right? Like you're, you're like, hey, New Year's resolution. I'm going to hit the gym. Oh, wait, nope. I'm going to get the Holy Spirit. Boom, done, right? Perfectly toned, ready to go. Everything's great. All right, that's just my own dream world, apparently. But we're, I think that would be an amazing element. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit does, however, make us spiritually stronger. It allows us to stare in the face of our enemy and say, you puny devil. You puny evil. You puny thing that's there, so that acting all strong, all tough, you're nothing. Perhaps this morning as you decided to join us, whether it's online or in person, you've had a bad week. You've had a bad day or a bad month or, or a bad year or a bad two and a half years. So today we're on day 655 of the 15 days to slow the curve. Um, it's, it's crazy. You maybe have had this difficult time and the devil is screaming. You feel like maybe the devil, the enemy is screaming at you. And he says, he's saying, now listen to me, you dull creature, you, you terrible person. Your spouse wants a divorce. You're stupid. You're ugly. No one really likes you. You're not going to even make it until tomorrow. I, I don't know your life. I don't know your situation. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know what the devil is standing in your face and screaming at you. I don't know what your bad week has been like. I don't know what loss you've suffered or gone through. I don't know what your situation or circumstance is. But what I can tell you is that you serve a God who gives you the Holy Spirit that allows you to have enough strength to, to get through the situation and through the circumstance that the Holy Spirit says, listen, you don't have to listen to that accuser. You don't have to listen to that devil. You don't have to listen to that enemy tell you all these things about you that aren't true. I'm God. I'm the Holy Spirit. I'm within you. And I'm going to show you who you are. And I'm going to show you how much of that accuser, how much of that enemy is a liar. He's a cheat. He's a manipulator. He's there to try to take you off the path of what you're supposed to walk in and where you're supposed to go. And, and that's because that's how the devil works. He's trying to, to use his words. He's trying to use the emotions of your life to manipulate you, to change you, to make you go in a way that God never intended for you to go. But God has a plan. And whenever you're in that midst of the situation, I want you to think of two words. But God. As you read through scriptures of the Old and New Testament, you see all these men and women who are in these really difficult moments and situations and circumstances. And one of my favorite two words that are put together in scripture say, but God. 2021 might have looked like something crazy in your life, but God. 
Maybe you're dealing with a loss, but God has got something in store. Maybe you're dealing with a, a job that you no longer have anymore, but God's got a better plan. He's got a better vocation. He's got a better thing, but God has something else in store for you. And so God sends us the Holy Spirit so that we can, like the Hulk, grab our accuser, swing him by the feet and around and, and toss him around like the rag doll that he really is. And he allows us to do that as, as he begins to show us what it is to repent. He begins to show us what the word of God means. He begins to show us what it means to develop a stronger, more intimate relationship with him. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to do that work in our lives, it converts every mild-mannered scientist, construction worker, librarian, teacher, secretary, laborer, manager, waiter. It begins to convert us and allows us to use this, to become the spiritual giants who can see God's plan more clearly. You can walk over the enemy's attacks and overcome some of the greatest plots and attacks that have ever been set against us. And so how does this relationship with the Holy Spirit work? How does the Holy Spirit help us become more Hulk-like? I'm glad you asked. The first point that we have here this, this morning is the Holy Spirit makes us more like Christ. And one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit's work is to make us more and more like Jesus. This happens through a process that we call sanctification. Now, sanctification is just this fancy college word of describing the action of the Holy Spirit working in us by peeling away the sinful characteristics and replacing them with godly characteristics. Some of them might describe him a little bit like Jiminy Cricket from the movie Pinocchio, kind of like this conscience that is telling us to do the right thing. And while that description is accurate, it's incomplete. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't just give you the right answer. He gives you the strength that you need to choose to do the right thing. And unlike the Hulk, he's not going to force himself into this situation. You have to choose him. You have to choose to surrender. But when you surrender, he's going to give us the strength that we need to get through, to overcome and to become more and more like Christ. And that's the process of sanctification. That's the process that allows more of that gamma radiation that we talked about a little bit earlier come into our lives. It allows more of that strength to, to enter into our hearts, and into our lives. It allows us to face and overcome what comes next. God makes a way through our difficulties and our situations a lot of times. You hear that said from church pulpits and, and church programs all the time. And the way that he does that is by giving us strength through his Holy Spirit to do that. And so when we allow his Holy Spirit into our lives, it becomes easier for us to be led into the truth of God's plan for our lives. And that's our second, mess, our second point for this morning is the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. He makes us more like Christ, and then guides us into all truth. John chapter 16, verse 13 says this. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about your future. Now, the future can be a little bit of a dramatic point to talk about. If you're an optimist, you love talking about the adventure and the great things that are sitting there waiting for you. If you're a pessimist, you think about the tragedy that can be lurking around the corner. And and I guess as I think about those two extremes, I I realize that I'm a bit of an optimistic pessimist. I believe with all my heart that I'm going to get punched in the mouth by life, but it's going to be super fun to do that and see how far I can go until that punch happens. And if I can delay that hit for just a couple of seconds longer, it would be super great. But it doesn't matter your outlook on life. I would say that it's safe to assume that if you're here today, if you're watching us online, that you believe a lot like we do or like I do, and that God's plan for my life 
is better than my plan for my life. You believe that God has got something in store for you that's greater than you could ever dream or can imagine. And if you don't, let me tell you a truth for a moment. God's plan for your life is greater than anything you could ever imagine. You know, I I had a plan and purpose that I set out for my life when I graduated college. And I thought, man, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then I looked back last, um, this, over this last weekend, over New Year's, we have a tradition in our house that we, we write cards and we always talk about the best things that we enjoyed from the year previous and the things we look forward to on, on the next year. And, and when we're just looking at a year, I, I keep my goals very broad so that I can say that I hit them. But I can tell you if I look back 10, 15, 20 years ago into my life and say what I was going to be doing 10, 15, 20 years from now, I can guarantee you it wouldn't be planning a church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. I can guarantee you that I wouldn't be a real estate agent. I can guarantee you there would be a number of different things in my life that wouldn't exist if I had to make the plan for my life. But what I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt is that the truth of my life and the plan and the purpose that God has put in place before me and the steps that he's allowed me to take over the last five or six years have been incredible steps that I could have never dreamed but are so much better than the plans that I had for myself. And it's really happened at the moment where I began to say, God, this is the moment where I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to surrender to your plan, your purpose for my life. Because I realized that the creator best knows how to use his creation. And that just makes sense, right? If, if, if something created something else, then it knows exactly why it created that thing. The maker of this water bottle knew, hey, you know what would be really great for this bottle? put some water inside of it. That's why I made it. That's why I created it. And, and while a very simple explanation of, of a very complex idea, the same is true of us. As God is our creator, he has a perfect plan in a way that he put your personality together, put your giftings and your talents together, because he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. So that leads us to an important question that we should ask. What is God's will? What is God's plan, purpose for me in this life? When we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, as, as we just read in John, the Holy Spirit will guide us in the direction that we need to go. He's not going to leave us in confusion, but he's going to reveal the truth to us. He illuminates the dark areas of our lives and gives us clear vision of God's purpose for us. Now, I truly and genuinely wish God gave us like a 10-year plan for our lives. And that would be great. Can you think about it? Man, in the next 10 years, I'm going to do these amazing things. It's going to be so great. Man, I can't wait. God has just showed me the next 10 years of my life. And that would be great. And sometimes he does that. But for those of you that have been walking with God for, for quite some time, you probably recognize that it doesn't typically work that way. Sometimes you only get plans for the next 10 minutes. And more often than not, the plan that you get from God is for the next 10 seconds. But he always tells us what I need to know. He always tells us what we need to know, when we need to know it. And rarely before, but never after. He is always on time. Let me say that again. God is always on time. No matter how often you might say, God, you are running so late, bro. Listen, I got a new watch for Christmas. I'm telling you, it's, it's late. You're late. God's like, no, I'm late for your plan. I am perfectly on time for my plan, which is better than your plan anyway. So breathe. Be patient. It's going to be okay. And the even cooler part about this is not only does God reveal his plan to us through the Holy Spirit, but he gives us that strength that we need to walk that path. And one of the ways that he does that is by putting people in our lives who love and who encourage us. Now, this might be a great moment to just stop for a second and talk about life groups. 
life groups. It is one of the things that we love at Grace Collective. It, it is one of those things that we just really embrace because we feel it's not only what God called us to do as a church here in Grace Collective at, in Irwin, PA. We truly believe that life groups is what God has called the church to embrace and walk into as, as we get, work into the next few years of life as a church here in the world. We have about 10 different life groups who are available and waiting for you to plug into. And I know some of you aren't because, you know, it's uncomfortable. Um, and because showing up at someone's house that you don't know, talking about your secrets and having to demonstrate your biblical expertise can be daunting, right? And I would totally agree with you. Talking about your secrets would be super uncomfortable. Being put on the spot is dumb. It's stupid. Expecting to know everything about the Bible so that you can fit into a conversation is completely unreasonable. And that's why life groups are nothing like that. Now, I can't control who you know and who you don't know. I can't control how social you are. I, I can tell you that I, I recognize and I empathize with those of you that don't love to be the center of attention. Um, I, have, I have a brother. Um, most of you don't even know that because he's antisocial. <laughs> he is, though. He just doesn't love big crowds. He doesn't love being involved with people and, 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 and even people that he knows. He has been known to duck behind a, uh, an aisle in a grocery store because he doesn't want to talk to them. Even though he's good friends with them, nothing's wrong. He just doesn't want to talk to them. And, and that's just who he is. And so I can't control that element of your life. But I can tell you this. Even if you're antisocial, even if you don't love people, there is a life group with a life group leader who is willing to just let you come in and sit quietly and not acknowledge you if you don't want them to. You can pretend like you have your sunglasses on and you're an invisible man walking into the room. They're okay with that. Our life group leaders are, are there because they, they want to be welcoming to you. They want to open their homes to you. They want to be non-judgmental folks and, and we, they want to be ones who are just happy that you're going to come hang out with them. That's it. Think of it as just, you know, they're sitting at a table at lunch. And they're like, hey, come sit with me. Come sit with me. That's it. That's all. Just come sit with me. Come hang out. That's all we're asking. You don't have to lead the group. You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to do any kind of crazy thing. We're not going to ask you to recite every Bible verse that you know or ever should know. We're just going to ask you to come and be a part of it. Because when you're in the midst of a struggle, when you find yourself... Uh, with a relationship in your life that's failing, when you find yourself with a job loss, with an unexpected death, with the stress of trying to, to figure out how it's all going to work out, wouldn't it be nice if you had a praying friend who can help? Someone that can give you a hug, or in COVID era, a fist bump, or even just a nod from across the room, if that's your level of comfort. And to tell you that, listen, our life group leaders will be the first probably to tell you that they don't have all the answers. They may know some things, but they don't know everything. And I think Pastor Rich and I will also tell you, we don't know everything. We know some things. And we've had experience in things. But what we all want to do is be able to come alongside each and every one of the members of Grace Collective and say, listen, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to walk with you until God tells you where to go next. And in that meantime, in that moment, in, the, in those moments of waiting to see how you're going to get through this pain, how you're going to get through this hurt, how you're going to get through this loss, how you're going to get through this agony, I just want to stand with you. I don't necessarily have solutions to your problems, but I have an opportunity to pray with you, to let you know that you're not alone, that you're seen, that you have a, you're a part of something bigger than just yourself. You don't have to go through this tragedy all alone. I'm here to help you, and, and I'm here to kind of be a part of that. And, and maybe that's a good moment for us to all say, that's going to be my New Year's resolution. 
I'm going to join a life group. And don't someday this because, listen, when you're getting punched in the face by life, it is too late to go get a boxing coach. You've already gotten punched. Obviously, you can always go back and find help. But what I'm saying is, wouldn't it be nice that if you were standing there like this and life threw a jab, you had a friend who pulled you out of the way so you didn't get hit? Wouldn't it be nice if you had somebody that even if you caught the uppercut to the chin could help you up off the ground, take you to the corner and put some ice on that boo-boo? Wouldn't it be nice if you could know that, that you're not boxing the world by yourself, that you have a God that's with you and, and sometimes he can't be seen because he is a spiritual presence, but he can make himself known to you through the presence of somebody else in your life that just wants to see you succeed. That's what having a part of a life group is. And that's what I want to encourage you to do so. And you can check out our website at gracecollectivechurch.com slash life groups and see which life group is available for you. Lots of great leaders, lots of great opportunities. And if you can't work the website, talk to Pastor Rich or I, and we will get you connected with a life group leader ASAP. So let me digress though. Back into what we were saying, the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. That's what we've been talking about. And if that's true, then how can we know that the Holy Spirit is leading us in a particular situation? If he's guiding us in truth, how do we know? Well, there's two easy kind of steps to to really kind of make this easy for us to determine. First, does it align with the Bible? God's not telling you to rob a bank. You may be hurting for money. You may see money. God's not saying, hey, it's my will that you rob that bank. Does it align with scripture? Is it telling you to do something that's good and pure? Does it give you peace or does it give you confusion? I remember when I graduated high school, my parents launched a business and everybody looked at them like, at church, looked at them. Are you guys okay? Because what you're doing is crazy. And it was. It was super crazy. Like it was at the time, nobody even thought that that would be a thing that you could do. But even church folk looked at them like, mm, the curries have lost it. And they probably had. But they knew what God was calling them to do. And they found what they needed to find. And they launched a business that allowed me to go through college and allowed us to, our family to stay afloat. And It didn't make sense to the world, but it gave them peace. So what is God calling you to do? Is it giving you peace or is it giving you confusion? And even if it doesn't make sense, doesn't mean it's not giving you peace. And that's a a big distinction that we want to make sure that we're doing. So does it align with the Bible? Does it give us peace? If we're doing that, then we know that God is leading us in that direction. The third uh, point that I want to mention here this this morning, feels like this evening because I've been talking for so long. But the, the third point is the Holy Spirit reveals God's word to us. Now, God's word is not a mystery novel that we have to parse in order to understand. It's written by God using human words, which means we can understand those words at face value. But it also means that it's going to take some meditation. It's going to take some thought and it's going to take some help for us to be able to fully understand what God is trying to communicate to us. So that means that reading God's word is more than just reading the words that are on the paper. It's about understanding how that word can and should apply to our lives. So that question most obviously becomes, how does the Holy Spirit reveal the truth of the Bible to us? Jesus says to us in John chapter 14, verse 26, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, who my father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Jesus demonstrates to us this very idea of the Holy Spirit teaching the the word of God to his people. In fact, when you look at Jesus's, the beginning of Jesus's earthly ministry here, he's he is tempted in the wilderness. He, the, he gets baptized. He comes up. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. Doesn't necessarily mean there was an actual dove that landed on his shoulder. 
but that's a different sermon for a different time. The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove, and he then goes out into the wilderness for 40 days. And as he's out in the wilderness, the devil, the enemy, begins to tempt him and begins to try to get him to do God's plan, to do his father's plan in his own strength or in his human strength. And Jesus responds to the devil each time by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he goes on to, to, to quote Old Testament scripture. And I know most of us today are like, man, the Old Testament, you can quote the Old Testament scripture today? Yes, it's a legitimately good part of the Bible. We want to make sure that we're embracing both Old and New Testament in our lives. And so Jesus, he quotes this Old Testament scripture, letting us know that he has read and he has allowed God's spirit to teach him how to apply those words into life and to the situation that's happening. He sets it up as an example of how you and I can also embrace God's word and teaching into our lives. And then as tempted, can use those words to help us overcome the attacks of the enemy that are before us. And so for those of you that have been church for a while, understand that that even hundreds and, and thousands of years before Jesus was born, we read another way of how God's spirit reveals his word to us and that he uses what uh, is called prophets or people who are hearing God's voice and telling us about the future that God has and intended for us. And so hundreds and even thousands of years before Jesus was born, prophets begin to tell the people about the birth of Christ. In fact, if you were here for either of our Christmas Eve services, Pastor Rich went in to talk about the uh, crazy statistics that it involved. I think it was like 10 to the two billionth power, right? It was an exaggeration. It was like 10 to the 25th power uh, of chances that, that all the prophecies of Jesus's life would have come true. And they all did. And you see that happen in, in, in scripture. And so God uses these, these men and women called prophets that, that allow them to tell us about God's future and tell us about what's going to happen. And they hear God's Holy Spirit speak to them about the future. And, and they're true prophets. We can know, tell that they're true prophets by, because of what they said actually does happen. And I truly believe that if we as a church, I believe that we, and I believe, and we believe as a church, excuse me, that God is still speaking to us in that way today. He's still talking to our hearts and we're still able to hear God's words to our hearts. And if we can only quiet ourselves, if we can only quiet our hearts and our lives for, for a few moments in our day, I believe that we can begin to hear God speak. And when God speaks to us, and, and this is just my experience, it doesn't sound like anything I can describe. It would be super cool if it was like, Jonathan, these are the words that I want to say. It'll be a really weak God voice. I don't have a really great deep register in my voice, but imagine that I do. Imagine like James Earl Jones is talking to you. It's like, this is what I should say to you. All right, so that, it doesn't sound like that. But when God's Holy Spirit speaks, it's this undeniable voice that tells us the truth. And that truth that he tells us can change everything. The voice of the Holy Spirit is heard in the quiet and the stillness of my heart. And I need to do my part to create that moment. I need to do my part to create that situation. I need to take some time to just breathe and listen and to allow the silence of the moment to wash over me so that I can just focus on hearing what God is trying to say. It's a concept that's really foreign to us. And, and often we, we like to fill the silence of media with our, feel the silence with media from our phones or the radio or some awkward conversation. You ever been in a conversation and you're both just kind of staring at each other like, so the Steelers are playing on Monday, right? You know, you, nobody likes that silence. Or you're there in a waiting room, literally just waiting and nothing more boring than just sitting and waiting. And so what do you do? You pull out your phone, you pull out a device, you, you watch the screen that's in the, in the waiting room. You do something to fill the silence with noise. 
Might I challenge you in 2022 that you take a moment and embrace a silent moment so that God might be able to speak. Because once we're quiet, God is able to allow us to be, allow his voice to be heard in our lives. Now he will speak over the noise and it's not that he's limited by the noise in our lives. Man, wouldn't it be so much better if I was talking to my wife and I did so in a space where the radio wasn't blasting and I wasn't watching my phone while she was trying to speak to me? And wouldn't it be great if the creator of me had that opportunity to also have that same amount of respect that everything else would be quieted so that I could listen to what he's trying to say to me. And once I'm quiet, it's not just enough just to be quiet. I need to know what I'm listening for. And, and fortunately, we have this book. We call it the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving this earth uh, for my children's ministry workers in the crowd. And, and it's filled with this rhythm. It's filled with this tone. It's filled with this pitch of what God's voice sounds like. You know, I was listening the other day as we were preparing for Christmas services. I was here doing some work in the church and I was listening to, to a podcast and they were talking about a particular author who wrote a book and that author had plagiarized the, the portions of that voice, or, excuse me, portions of that book um, in his book and didn't cite and get any quotations to that particular author. And it caused a huge controversy and stir. And long story short, what I took out of it was this idea that the reason that the person was able to identify the plagiarism in the book was because that they knew the voice of the original author. They had spent so much time in the original author's books and library and understanding what that author would sound like and the rhythm that they would speak in, that it was easy for them to hear that voice in another, in another way, in, in, in another context or situation. So they were able to identify it and it gave them the insight to know that this was plagiarism, this wasn't theirs. And so the same thing is true for us. As we read through the Bible, the first time we're going to read this passage, we may not be able to fully understand what God is trying to say to us through his word. It may not fully sink into our hearts and into our lives. We may not be able to fully hear God's voice in the first passages that we read, but as we read daily, as we read various chapters and verses, as we begin to hear the voice of God, we begin to grab hold of these concepts and we begin to realize that God's, what God's voice really sounds like. So then as we go through life and we come on the, one of the hundreds or thousands of decisions that we have to make in each and every day, and if we pause in those moments and we begin to let the silence wash over us, because we know what God's voice sounds like, because we've spent time in his word, we begin to hear him telling us what the next step is for our lives and which path to take and the fork in the road before us. So all of that means that following the word of God is... It, Following the word of God is more than just reading these pages. It's more than just trying to keep a list of do's and don'ts. Reading and allowing God's word to penetrate our heart allows the words that the author wrote to penetrate our hearts and in our lives. And that happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to help us as we read. So there's some space here to kind of unpack some practical elements. Most specifically, how do we allow the Holy Spirit to help us read the word of God? Now, it sounds super mystical, but it's really simple and easy. You open your Bible to the page that you're going to read for that day. And, and if I can just pause here for just a second. This is not how you read your Bible. That, I mean, you can, you can read the words that way. But if we're talking about hearing God's voice and hearing his word and understanding who he is, it's about getting on a reading plan. And there's a Bible app for your phone that has all kinds of amazing plans. There's, there's all kinds of resources available for you to get on a good reading plan. Uh, simply Google Bible reading plan and you'll probably come up with about 5,000 opportunities for you to read. I would suggest the Bible app because I think it's, it's a really good app. It's got a lot of different options and opportunities and you can read the word right there on your phone. It's, it's, it's great. But... 
That's not, you want to get into a, involved in a reading plan, but as you're getting ready to read, you open the pages and you simply say, Lord, show me today what you want me to see through your word. And then in that moment, trust that while you're reading the words and not having a TV on in the background, not having a radio on, not, not getting distracted by going to your phone after 30 seconds, but really taking the moment to read. And it doesn't have to be a full chapter. It can be a section, a heading, if you will, a set of verses. Whatever it is that you're comfortable and capable of reading, start small. You don't have to read the whole thing in a year. Like it's a big book. I've never successfully completed a one-year reading Bible program uh, that wasn't connected to an academic goal that I had to do for college. Like it's just not how I read. It's not how I take in. It's not how I uh, in, in, in take in God's word into my life. Just take small, small bites. It's totally fine. So in that moment, the words may not jump off the page, but throughout the course of your day, as you've asked God's Holy Spirit to lead you and to help you, you'll begin to understand the passage a little bit more. You'll begin to, the passage in the context of the stories and the verses you read are going to begin to show up in your life. And they're going to help you through some very specific moments. And so you should know that the Bible is truth, though. And there's something that I want to mention that the Bible is truth. It has one meaning. It's not situationally accurate in this situation and not in that situation. There is one truth to God's word and his, his mention. But the words on the pages are going to affect you differently at various points in your life. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, 18-year-old me um, didn't understand what it was to love a child the way that 43, Stace? 43? Yeah, we're going to go with 43-year-old me now currently understands what it means to love a son or a daughter. That wasn't part of my existence. And maybe you come from a different scenario. Maybe you come from a situation where dad wasn't in your house. And so when you hear the love of God, the father in your heart or in your lives, that may actually conjure a negative feeling or a negative vibe or something that you can't even relate to all the way. But I can assure you that as life goes on, and, and if you just take the example of a young man who doesn't have a father in his life, then having his first child, all of a sudden it begins to make a little bit more sense. It begins to make sense to a mom um, to understand what it is to, to love a child that she's born herself or has adopted herself and is, is, is her own. That becomes a whole different thing uh, to a person that's experienced it. And so as somebody who's experienced that, that, then opens the book and reads about how God has adopted us into his family, or has talked about how God raises us as his children, that begins to understand differently. As we deal with different rejections in form of, uh, of loss or different things that happen in our life, both positively and negatively, and then as we read the stories in scripture and we understand these men and women that have gone through similar circumstances or situations. They become relatable stories. They become things that penetrate our hearts and our lives. And so God uses these natural elements, these natural events in our lives to teach us and help us better understand ourselves. And, and, and as we do that, it helps us be, understand more about who he has created us to become. So as we read the passages later in life, as we begin to go through the ones we maybe read earlier, they take on new meaning and they become, we become more capable of understanding the words and seeing them from a different perspective and, and begin to understand a little bit more about what God has created us for. And the beauty of all of this is that God's Holy Spirit is real. It's personal. It's here for us. God's Holy Spirit supports us. It leads us and it shows us how to become who we've been created to be, which is for us to become more and more like Christ. 
but it also helps us understand how to become the best versions of ourselves, the best doctors, the best lawyers, the best athletic trainers, the best salesmen, the best moms, the best dads, the best leaders, the best helpers, the best service providers, whatever it was we were created to be vocationally or in, in life relationally, God allows us through his Holy Spirit to become better versions of that as we surrender our hearts and as we surrender our lives, as we surrender to him and say, God, in this moment as I open your word, I want to hear what you have to say. God, in this moment, as I'm faced with this decision, I want you to lead me. I'm going to let the silence of a moment wash over me so I can hear your voice. God, I want you to help remove the sin and the difficult things in my life that are blocking my heart from from you a little bit more. Remove those things so I might become more and more like you. And as we begin to do that, we begin to understand the Holy Spirit a little bit more, and he gives us the power that we need to overcome each of those steps. And so as Andy comes back up to lead us in a little bit more worship, I want to close out our, our message this morning with our weekly ask. And there's two questions this morning. We didn't, uh, our students downstairs, if you have students and crew, um, they didn't learn as much about the Holy Spirit today. They learned more about the second question that we're going to ask. But the first question that I want us to ask this morning is this, how has the Holy Spirit spoken to me this week? Because I guarantee you he's speaking whether you've asked Christ to come into your heart as a moment of salvation, or if you have not, I guarantee you there was a moment where the Holy Spirit said, hey, or hey, and if your life was so loud that you couldn't even hear the hey, maybe you should say to yourself, God, what are you speaking to me? What can I say? What can I hear? What can I know? God, speak to me. How has he spoken to you this week? And the second question that I want us to ask, and really it's just to pray, And this leads into our series that's going to start next week. Um, But pray and ask God to show you the one person in your life who needs to hear about him. Because I guarantee you there's one person in your life right now that wouldn't darken the door of a church. And you don't have, maybe you're antisocial and you'll never invite them. But God's spirit can go beyond all of that, all of your uncomfortableness, all of your awkwardness and say, hey, I want you to come to church. And, and maybe you'll get a text message. Hey, you still going to church today? I want to come. But it starts with this idea of prayer. It starts with this moment where you say, God, show me that one person that I need to pray for and be involved in their lives and, and continue to lead towards you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.